You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. the Lord together, then you might be seen. Let's lift our hands together. Let's just thank God for the, what we're feeling in this house tonight. God, we thank you, Lord, for the great church that we're in. We thank you, Lord, for the church of Jesus Christ. God, upon this rock, we will build your church. Hallelujah. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You're so good. Praise God. There's a beautiful spirit of the Lord here. Amen. Of course, we wanted to talk a few minutes about missions. You might be seated. Amen. We're just glad to be a part of missions. Amen. We're in a great church. It's not the building. It's not the building. There's a great church of Jesus Christ all over our world. And I guess every country in the world today is somebody serving Jesus Christ, living for God, filled with the Holy Ghost. And so we're just here today to promote missions. We have our missions conference coming up just a month from now. Can you, can you believe that? Wow. Yeah. Amen. I looked at the calendar yesterday, and I said, my land, we got a month left before our missions conference. Amen. And we're excited about the conference. We're going to have a great conference. Last year was a phenomenal conference, and uh, there a lot of money was raised for partners in missions. I would like to just encourage you to start to think about your, your pledge, your partner in mission for next year. And during our missions conference, of course, we will be taking partners or the missions, uh, faith promise, not partners and missions. We, it's faith promise. Amen. So we'll be doing that during our missions conference. And so right now, just start to think about it. What can I do for the Lord for next year? Amen. I know things are getting tough out there in the, in the grocery store and everywhere else. Look at the price of gas. You just close your eyes and keep driving. Amen. But I'll tell you what, we've got a cause here tonight that's more important than anything else in this whole world, and that is reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are supporting a close to 100 different missionaries now, and uh, we just thank God that we can do that. We want to continue doing that. We're not letting up one bit. We are so close to the coming of Jesus Christ. Every soul is worth more than the whole world. Amen. We're just going to do what we can. Do what we can. Amen. And we're going to reach souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Last month, the month of July, uh, we, we uh, had about 13,000 came in for our missions. And we just thank the Lord for that. I was looking over the totals for the year and uh, we're just pretty close to what it was last year, and so we're thanking the Lord for that. But I just want us to, to think, you know, this is the last month in, in this cycle that we're doing for your, for your faith promise. So for the month of August, uh, or the 1st of September, I would like you to really consider, am I caught up on my partners or my faith promise? Am I caught up? Have I, have I paid my faith promise. It is a faith promise, and God will honor you if you do it. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. 
Our mission conference, could we have the slide? Oh, there it is. I was looking at the back. Okay, mission conference. Brother Mark Dross and Brother Tom Foster. And they are two fantastic preachers. Brother Foster is so excited about coming. And I was talking to Brother Mark also, and he is definitely going to be here. Praise God. And so we thank the Lord for what's going to happen just one month from now, September the 8th, 9th, and 10th. Brother Wayne, uh, is he here? Wayne? No, he's not here tonight. I was going to, because I always go after Wayne. He goes boating that weekend, and I go after him every year. Amen. But we're just thankful, Lord, for, for all that will be here during that time, September 8th, 9th, and 10th. It's going to be a great weekend. Praise the Lord. Amen. Tomorrow is civic holiday. And I was looking at a little video this afternoon that Brother Portress made called Motivation Monday, and it was really in, as a result of the Youth Congress. So I want to play that tonight, if we can, please. On this Motivation Monday, I've been thinking about the recent Youth Congress that we had here in St. Louis with almost 37,000 young people uh, here and such a tremendous event and so many miracles and great things that took place. I've been wondering, what is your takeaway when it comes to Youth Congress? Uh, when I think about what would be my takeaway, this is what I think of, and I'm going to use not just a PowerPoint presentation, which many people uh, consider to be archaic today. I want to be archaic, archaic, and I'm going to use this poster board to demonstrate my point. I think that the big takeaway for me, for Youth Congress, and the theme about the coming of the Lord's kingdom, kingdom come, is that we need to have a kingdom expansion. Kingdom expansion. But the only way that we can have kingdom expansion is through stewardship expansion. It's very easy to go ahead and talk about the kingdom expansion, but are we willing to go ahead and put ourselves into the equation, kingdom expansion through stewardship expansion? And I'm talking about his kingdom expansion through my stewardship expansion. It's not enough for me just to want the kingdom to expand. I really need to go ahead and get involved in stewardship expansion myself. And that way we can see God's kingdom continue to expand. We know that when it comes to what is called the Pareto principle, that we have what I call this haunty or haunting 20%, which means that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Kingdom expansion through stewardship expansion, 20% of the people actually do 80% of the work, even when it comes to the local church or the church in a district or the church that's in a region or the church globally. And the only way that we can go ahead and see a difference in that is if we see an increase in the number of stewards that we have, 
or we see an increase in the number of stewardship elements that we have. It's the only way. 20% of the people do 80% of the work and we can see an increase when we see an increase in the number of stewards that we have or in an increase in the number of stewardship elements that we have. Like we typically think of stewardship as being time, talent, treasure. And stewardship is that, but it's so much more. It's uh, stewardship of your tongue, your testimony, your temple, the truth that God has given to us, our thought life. So kingdom expansion only happens through stewardship expansion. And when it comes to you who are watching this little presentation on this Motivation Monday, I think you all are VIPs, very important people when it comes to the team that's going to reach out locally, uh, regionally, throughout the district, throughout the globe, the VIP people. Uh, when you look at the Pareto Principle, it actually is called the, the law of the vital few. Uh, you are vital when it comes to the kingdom, kingdom expansion through stewardship expansion. You might be wondering why I'm wearing my VIP badge from Youth Congress today. And there is a reason for that. On the last night of Youth Congress, uh, I was sitting in the VIP section and as the Spirit of the Lord was moving in there, uh, young people started coming down from the upper parts of the dome and uh, they came down through our area, got to the bottom of where the seating would be, and then they were turned back because they weren't permitted on the floor because they didn't have the correct colored badge in order to do that. They weren't VIPs. So young people were turned back. And uh, after a few minutes, the, the VIPs that were there, the leaders that we had there, they got an idea. They took off their badge and they just started handing it to those young people. And those young people showed it to the lady that was at the bottom of the stairs and they were allowed to go out on the floor and get closer to the platform area. Uh, that really spoke to me. We're giving you our VIP badges as leaders in the United Pentecostal Church. We want you to run with it. We want you to go with it because the only way or one of the only ways that we'll be able to see kingdom expansion is through your stewardship expansion. You are a VIP. There is a value in the few, uh, increasing that few. Uh, the law of the vital few can definitely be, be increased, and we want you to become a VIP. Go with it. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. It is so good to be with you once again here tonight. Amen. In the house of the Lord. Isn't, hasn't it been good to be in God's house here today? Right. Amen. Amen. I will give you a little bit of warning here tonight. Um, when you are driving on the streets of St. John and you see Brother Hanscom coming, just make sure that you give him plenty of space because if you noticed, he said, I just close my eyes and keep on driving. <laughs> so I don't know how you came to church here tonight, but that took on a whole new meaning. We're so glad that you're here. You've made it. Amen. How many is happy to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. We're excited to be in God's house. Amen. Amen. Just before we go into the message here tonight, 
I'm just going to ask if we could all join together and pray. Ask God to have his way here today. Let his will be done through us. God, we are so thankful for your presence. We're so thankful for everything that you've already done here today. God, we've sent you in a powerful way. God, I pray, Lord, that you would let your will be done here today. Speak through your servant to this wonderful group of people. Hallelujah, Lord, that you call your church. Hallelujah, Lord, we give you all praise and all glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. Psalm 8, it's an intriguing song of praise to God. And it begins and ends with these words, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This song was written by the shepherd boy whom God made into a king. And by a boy who became the man known as the man after God's own heart, David. And you can almost imagine him as a young man laying on the hillside. His father's sheep are bedded down for the night. And David looks up into the night sky and begins to be filled with wonder. There's something about a clear night filled with a huge moon and bright shining stars that create this sense of wonder in most people. David, he writes this. Psalm 8, verse 3, he says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of him? Human beings that you care for them. The NIV, it says it this way, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Amazing. Abraham Lincoln, he once wrote, I never behold the heavens filled with stars that I do not feel I am looking into the face of God. I can see how some, how it might be possible for a man to look down upon earth and be an atheist, but I cannot conceive how he could look up into the heavens and say there is no God. I heard a story this past week on the radio when I was driving about uh, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, they went on a camping trip. And the, the individual that was telling the story on the radio, he told, he said it was a true story. I don't know if it is, but he says it is and I'll believe him. So after a good meal, they bunked down for the night and they went to sleep. Some hours later, Holmes woke up and he nudged his friend and he said, Watson, look up at the sky and tell me what you see. Watson replied, Well, I see millions upon millions of stars. So what does that tell you, asked Sherlock. Watson pondered for a minute, and then he said, well, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Theologically, I can see that God is all-powerful and that we are small and insignificant. Meteorologically, I suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. What does it tell you? Holmes, he was silent for a minute, and then he said, Watson, you idiot, it means that someone has stolen our tent. (laughs) But in all seriousness, staring up at a night sky has a way of making you feel small, tiny. And so we can imagine David looking up at the majesty of the night sky And being filled with awe, and suddenly he starts pondering, who am I? Who am I that you even consider me? How could a God who has created all of this beauty, the moon and the stars which your fingers have created, 
be concerned with me? How could such a God be mindful of me and care what happens to me? With one breath, he made the galaxies. When he spoke, planets were formed. Galaxies came into being. The chaos of the universe came into order at his command. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, David said. He has no beginning. He has no ending. He is not governed by time. He created it. He is eternal and has all power. He can do all things. There is nothing too hard for our God. Can I get an amen here tonight? There is nothing too hard for our God. Hallelujah. The earth is his footstool, and yet he wants to live inside our heart. You know what is the craziest thing? This almighty, everlasting, self-sufficient God wants to hear from us. He wants us to talk to him. But how do you know, how do you talk to a God like that? He doesn't need any worship or praise, but yet he wants us to choose to worship him. Unfortunately, we have the word of God to give us the answer. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus, he's surrounded by followers that desire to know about how they are supposed to talk to God. And it turns into this teachable moment with his followers, with his closest disciples, about the power of our connection with the creator of the heavens. He told them that it was an activity that was between them and God. They were to keep their words simple and not worry about the jargon, not come up with fancy words, just talk to them. And he gave them an example of prayer, which we today call the Lord's Prayer. And here in chapter 7, he returns again to the topic of prayer. And if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you just take them out right now and turn to that 7th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. We'll begin at verse 7. Jesus, he says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Ask and receive. Seek and find. Knock. And it will be opened. How many of you know that prayer changes things? Prayer changes things. You're here tonight. Prayer changes things. But when we pray, is that always our experience? Is what Jesus said really true? Can we put him to the test? I imagine we have all asked for something of God that we didn't receive, at least not in the way that we had asked. And I have often prayed that a check for a million dollars would just land in our mailbox, but believe it or not, every single time I go to the mail, there is not a check. Instead, there's usually bills. You know, our phones are always listening to us, it just astounds me. My wife and I, we can have a conversation about something as simple as gardening tools. And then all of a sudden, you open up your phone the next time, and all that you see is ads for gardening tools. That's all you see. And so every now and again, I'll get real close to my phone, and I'll say, million dollars. <laughs> all joking aside, we know that God is attentive to our prayers. He listens even more than our phones do. And he knows our every thought. But what we have a hard time believing at times is that what we ask, we will receive. So what does Jesus mean when he says, ask and you will receive? 
God isn't some big genie in the sky. You just rub the lamp and he has to grant your wish. Or some big vending machine. You put in your tithe and you get out a blessing. But the Lord does want us to come to him. He wants us to come to him with our mess, our needs, our wants, our hang-ups. He wants us to talk to him anytime and every time. Yes, our God is a holy God. And you say, well, how can I approach that when I am who I am? But understand this, that he is also a God who tells his people, who he calls his children, to come boldly before his throne. Jesus wanted his hearers to understand that he is a good father. And so we are told to ask, and when we ask, we are usually looking for some information or help. Most men, I'll paint a wide brush here, but most men don't like to ask for directions. When we were on vacation in PEI, we went out for a drive one day. It was a little bit rainy that day, so we said, hey, let's go for a drive. We jumped into the car, started heading out, and after a little while, my wife asked me if I knew where we were going, and then my son, he quickly jumped in there, and he said, Dad, are we lost? I said, no, we're not lost. I know exactly where we are. We're in the car. Prayer, <laughs> Prayer isn't just a series of requests to find out our exact location, it's a lifestyle. It's a conversation with the Almighty that comes straight from our heart. And it's more about aligning ourselves with God's will than it is about bending God's will to fit what we want. We aren't twisting His arm to do something for us when we pray. Lord, do this. Lord, do that. Please, God, if I ask enough times, I'll wear you down and you'll have to give in. Instead, it looks a little bit like this. Lord, I know that you're the creator of heaven and of earth. At your word, everything is at your command. As small as it seems to answer this need for me, God, would you do this? I've got this situation, the need's working out. Would you just step in, in the middle of it and work it out? If you don't, I'll still praise you. If you don't, you are still worthy of all my worship. And it's in this relationship that we have with God. I am his he is mine. And God knows what we have asked, and he also knows what we need. Do you realize the mess that we would be in if God answered every one of our prayer requests in the way that we asked them? <laughs> My goodness. In a fit of anger, neighbors would be dropping dead. Our garages would be full of things that we don't even need, and our emotions would be more twisted and confused than ever before. Not to mention some praying for rain and some praying for it to be sunny. It'd just be chaos outside. Jesus, he teaches us about kingdom principles that fall within the parameters of God's word. It would not be good for us to get a free pass on anything we pray for and want. But through our seeking and knocking, we are changed. It is true that prayer changes things, and usually the thing that needs to be changed is us. The relationship between you and the Heavenly Father is He is the Father and you are His child and He knows what's best for His children. The relationship that we have, He does not do what you order Him to do. He does what He deems right that falls within the parameters of His will for your life. But we do have two certainties when we pray. The Bible tells us that number one, He hears our prayers. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, He hears me.
And secondly, the Bible tells us that he will answer. He will answer. Sometimes when things don't happen in life the way that we think that they should go, sometimes we go silent, we shut down, we isolate ourselves when in all actuality we need God the most. And so then what happens is that we don't ask. And James, he warns us that 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 is troublesome. He says in James chapter 4 verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask God. And while it is true that God knows our every need before we even ask it, I believe that he delights in our asking. You need a healing? Ask the healer. You need a miracle? Ask the miracle worker. You need financial help? Ask the provider. He is everything we need. God will never refuse our prayers. He will never mock our prayers. He will always answer them in his way, and it will be done in his perfect wisdom and perfect love. God's no's are given in love as well as the yeses. Jesus, he goes on to tell his disciples, Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, listen to this, how much more. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him how much more? Who would give a stone for bread or a snake for fish to your children? Of course not. But even all of the good that we could give, and this is what Jesus is getting at, even all of the good that we could give pales in comparison when we consider how much more, how much more God is willing to give us. The one who spoke into existence the moon and the stars. He created everything. I mean everything. From the smallest subatomic particle to the largest supernova in the universe. He created it all. He is totally, awesomely good. And that in his character, in his nature, you can trust. You can't trust anything else in this world but the fact alone that he is good. When kings and queens and presidents and politicians and governments and institutions fail us, we can trust in the goodness of God. When our community turns their back on us because of our beliefs, we can trust in God. When our health fails, we can trust in God. When our money runs out, we can trust in God. When the stock market crashes and when it soars, we can trust in God. When we're persecuted, yeah, we can trust in God. When we are slandered, we can trust in God. When we're insulted, when we are hungry, we can trust in him. He is God. James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God is far more willing to give than we are to ask. But in the how much more we see the willingness of God to answer prayer. And using the illustration of a human father, imperfect as he is, Jesus compares how much more wonderful he is as our heavenly father who watches over us, who takes note of everything that we we, uh, encounter in this life. If godly parents respond to the cries of needs from their children, how much more does God take notice of us? Who can explain the how much more of God's grace for the one that's experienced it. 
Who can explain the how much more of God's mercy? Who can explain the how much more of God's love? It's hard to put into words what God has done for me, what God has done and is willing to do for you. Anything the Lord does is always much more than we ever requested, anticipated, or deserved. And the disciples simply needed to, a, a catch a fish in one of the stories in the Bible. They simply just needed to catch a fish. Jesus shows up, tells them where to fish, and their nets broke, and their boats begin to sink underneath the load of weight of what God was willing to give them. From a few loaves of bread and fish, a multitude needed feeding, but 12 leftover baskets were carried away. Just when we think we've seen the best the Lord has to offer, he amazes us with the how much more. God's love is beyond knowledge or comprehension, but thank God, not beyond experience. His grace is his love in action. Prayer is not about overcoming God's reluctance to help us, but about laying a hold of his willingness. Prayer is making the most of God's willingness to act on our behalf. And God wants to give his kids good gifts. Above all, he wants to give us his spirit to guide us into all truth so that you can ask and receive and your joy will be complete. In John's revelation, Jesus says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 6, he says, to him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. This is the I am, the I am. And so to answer the question, Jesus asked his disciples, how much more? More than you could ever imagine. More than you could ever imagine. That's how much more. And as I come to a close, if I could have the music come back. He created us knowing full well that we would mess up and fail him. But he had planned before the foundation of the world was made that he would come himself to save us. We don't deserve God's love. But God loved us anyway. And God went one step further to prove how much he loved us. Yes, he created all this world just for us, but God knew that this world wouldn't sustain us. Only he would. Only he would fill our searching heart. Only he could fill our searching heart. And so God sent his only begotten son to die on a cross just for us, just for you. In Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us that because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. On the cross, Jesus proved the words in Psalm 103 that David wrote. He said, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities, thank the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. On the cross, he did that for us. On the cross, God proved how much he loved us. On the cross, he gave us this message of hope that we can cling on to here today to cleanse us from all the filth of our past lives to free us from all the guilt and from all of our shame 
and to give us a new life and a fresh start. And he invited each of us tonight to ask him and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find him. Knock and you'll see the doors that he's opened for you. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13, it says, you will seek me and find me. Will you search for me with all your heart? If we could all stand. He's looking for someone to seek him out tonight. What is that thing that you've been too afraid to talk to God about? What is that thing that you've been silent with God about because you're not sure if he will do it? You're his kid. Come ask. Come seek. Come knock. As David was considering the heavens, God was looking centuries of years, centuries down the road when his follower, Luke, would record his words as he spoke to his disciples in Luke chapter 12. He says, consider the ravens. David was considering the heavens. Jesus said, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or burn, yet God feeds them. And how much more, how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If, that's, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, listen to me tonight. How much more? How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? How much more is he willing to meet you here tonight with everything that you have on your heart, everything that you have on your mind, and just be willing to listen, just be willing to intervene on your behalf? I invite you tonight to come and ask for yourself how much more he will be willing to do for you. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.